welcome to another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. I'm Josh. And I'm Andy. And Andy, it is here. 2021 is here. And oh my goodness, what a year it's already been. Welcome 2021. First of all, fuck you 2020. Glad you're gone. But man, we are recording on Friday. So this is we are eight days into 2021 and it has been absolutely full of drama. Uh, I don't know if 2021 just felt challenged by 2020 and was like, I'm going to pack a whole year's worth of shit in the first couple days. Uh, but it has, it has been crazy. Uh, but let's let's take a step back first, Amy. We haven't uh, spoken since the holidays. How were your holidays? Oh, so we stayed home for Christmas. It was it was weird. We did Christmas morning, you know, with my parents. So, you know, with the, the kids, so the grandkids where everything was on Zoom. Definitely not what we would normally do. So it was it was strange, but but we made it through. So, you know, just wading through a sea of, of brand new toys, you know, probably used 800 batteries in the last two weeks. So can't complain. How about you? Ours was pretty good. Um, we got to take home some leftovers for a change. I feel like we've missed out on that for the last couple of holidays, so I thoroughly enjoyed that. But the kids got far too many uh, gifts from their family and their grandparents, and so that's par for the course. But we got everything put away. House is mostly back to normal now. Uh, New Year's Eve involved me drinking about half a Bud Light, falling asleep in my recliner, and spilling the beer all over myself. So uh, I'm getting old, man, uh, but I can't really complain. Some things never change, my friend. (laughs) Struggling to finish that one beer. That is the the Josh way. Give me the latest thing you got. (laughs) Exactly. There you go. So, man, man, dude, the... it's, it feels like a month has already happened, but we're only, you know, about a week in uh, January. So let's just get into it. So uh, the year starts out where we hear about Trump has a phone call with the Georgia Secretary of State. And he is like, let's just let's just try to do some crimes. Like, take us through this. Like, it's, it's amazing that this story already, like, isn't even on the radar anymore with everything else that's happened. Um, but what did you, uh, what, did, how did you feel when you heard that uh, Trump was basically like, dude, I need you to find me some votes. So I, you know, as, as we do now here in, in the 21st century, I first saw this story on Twitter. So I was listening to the clips um, on my Bluetooth headphones that I walk around the house with, you know, 24 seven. And I'm just out loud, holy shit, what, what, what? And everyone in the house is like, uh, you're, you're going to give some context to this. Unbelievable. I mean, this would be the biggest scandal in a regular presidency. I mean, in any other presidency, this call, I think, would have been the biggest scandal of the presidency. And here we are four or five days out from it. And it's, it's already back page news. It's unbelievable. He, he basically called Brad Raffensperger the... The Secretary of State in Georgia said, "Brad, I just need them votes. I just need you to find me some votes. We all know, we all know, I won. Find me some votes." <laughs> and he threw out some of the the wild conspiracy theories, the stuff he saw on Facebook, Twitter. More on that later. And and the lawyers and the Secretary of State, very calmly. I mean, I absolute respect for these guys. We're just like, ah, 
Mr. President. I'm, and none of that's true. There's nothing to back any of this up. And and I think the, the call went close to an hour of just Trump trying to say, man, I just need them votes. And if you could get them done before Monday, which would have been the day before the special elections in Georgia, I, I really appreciate it. So it was absolutely wild. I mean, he at one point, he essentially threatened that he would <laughs> try and prosecute the Secretary of State for certifying what he knew were to be fraudulent election results. It was insane. And we've already forgotten about it. <laughs> just, just crazy. Like, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on which of the, uh, of the two deep throat reporters said that this was way worse than the Nixon, uh, Watergate calls, but this, you know, just quotes that come out of this, like, Oh, you know, if you just end up saying that you recalculated and I happen to be the victor, like, you know, Trump's acting like, you know, these 11,000 votes that he needs are just something that you can like search your couch cushions for. And Oh, I guess I just found 11,000 extra votes. Like, uh, this is this is unbelievable this is apparently like he tried calling the georgia secretary of state like this was the 18th time i think um before the secretary of state finally answered his call with his lawyers present recording the call um and just and, and again i i i don't i'm torn on how much credit to give this guy right because um on one hand in the next two years, this guy is probably going to have a hand in writing up a whole bunch of voter suppression laws uh, for Georgia. Now that Georgia has gone uh, blue twice, and we'll and we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, so again, I don't want to make this guy be you know this true American patriot, but I, I tons of credit to him. Like he could have folded like a lawn chair; it would have been probably fine for his uh, you know political future as a Republican. But all he had to say was just like, no, dude, like this is the results that we gave you are the real results. Sorry about your luck. I can't fabricate the results of an election for you. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, I think Ravensburger definitely has a history of of doing some questionable things. And I'm sure you're right that he will probably do some questionable things here going forward. But but in that moment, he stood tall and and he said, uh, I mean... (laughs) I'll paraphrase a little bit here, but he said, uh, Mr. President, you're nuts and I'm not doing that. Basically. Um, that might have been a direct quote. I, I'll have the transcript, but it, it was close. It was something close to that. Um, um, I, mean, I mean, Trump threw out the your triple counting votes and, and with a lot of the, come on, Brad, you know what's going on. You know what's going on. I mean, Georgia has, I mean, I don't think Georgia stopped counting votes since November. I mean, they're on... I think they're like 400 recount at this point. They brought in the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, to have state law enforcement overseeing their election results. And nothing has changed. I mean, aside from, you know, maybe a a couple hundred votes this way or that. But, I mean, they have counted the votes in Georgia a bunch of times. I don't know how many, but I think it's probably at least three or four at this point. Bringing in independent agencies. I mean, I don't know how you can keep making the argument that the results in Georgia aren't real, but man, they're definitely real. They're definitely real. Um, and, but like looking at listening to Trump and looking at the transcript, I, I thought this would be an easy question. And I wondered, we wondered it already on the podcast before, but I don't know whether Trump 
really believes this stuff is real or not anymore. Like, I, you know, thought it was largely just a hang. You know, this is what this is what the crazy people on Fox and OANN are, uh, you know, saying. I'm just going to spout it back, but we all know that like we're just, you know, putting up this fake front, doing anything we can to try and win. But I don't actually believe it. I know it's true, but. Now it it kind of sounds like he legitimately believes this stuff. Like his bubble is so small, and it's so selective on what gets in that he might legitimately believe that he should be the next president of the United States, and this election was robbed from him. I I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I'm with you. I I figured it was all posturing at the beginning. You know, it was all just. Of course, I mean, he he had sown the seeds for months before that, you know, the election results were going to be real. And I mean, he, he did a pretty good job of, of predicting what might happen that, you know, things will look good for him early. And then as they started counting the votes from the bigger counties that, you know, tend to be Democrat and take longer to count, which is insanely predictable, he would say, oh, look, and then that's going to flip. So he did a pretty good job of setting it up. And I assumed that, you know, like you said, that he would kind of just be trying to make some, some wild arguments, but probably in his heart knew, yeah, he lost, but if he convinced enough people, maybe he could pull it off. But I mean, the last, <laughs> this week, yeah, I, I think it, it might be him and a couple people that are holed up that, that really do believe these conspiracy theories. And I mean, his, his circle at this point is, you know, you said a small circle. I mean, at this point, the circle is getting very, very small. Yeah, it, it has to be. And so, and, and the thing about this is, Andy, like, okay, let's say in his wildest dreams that... Taylor Swift reference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that he did, like, let's say he won Georgia somehow, which he obviously didn't. But, if, okay, let's just flip the state to Trump. Trump still loses handily with the way the electoral college is going on. So, you know, this means that there have been calls to Pennsylvania and Arizona, and Wisconsin, and Michigan, you know, you don't need all of those states, uh, but you, but you still need a handful of those states um, in order to somehow become the president, so who knows what other calls have been made, what other conversations have been had, uh, but this is just, I mean, this is far worse to me than the Ukraine call, and, and so we had you know, the bubblings and the rumblings of impeachment come up. Uh, and now that it all seems, uh, you know, so quaint uh, now by comparison. But this, I agree with you, this is 100% one of the craziest things that happened during his four years as president. Yeah, no doubt. This is, I mean, you're, you're right. It would be interesting to hear those, <laughs> those other calls. And let's not forget, the Secretary of State in Georgia is a Republican. The governor in Georgia is a republic. I mean, this is a Republican. St- I mean, I don't know if he's pushing Georgia the hardest because he thinks maybe the you know with the Republicans and all of those offices that maybe they'd be a little bit more sympathetic to him. I mean, clearly he found out that wasn't the case. But yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. To me, this is on the to listen to the Ukraine call. It's like eh, yeah, there's some funny stuff going on. But to listen to this, I don't know how you listen to this without having a job late night on Fox news and say that, that this is anything other than crazy talk. Like, so a lot of, uh, again, I don't know, maybe some neutral people, certainly Trump people, you know, 
it's not the the only way a crime can be committed is not if president trump calls raffensberger and says uh secretary of state i want to commit some crimes here are the (laughs) crimes i need you to commit the crimes so this can happen like this that is not how how crimes are committed and instead we have a recording like what he said you know the threats the oh this could be really bad for you this could be you know you could be a responsible for this like this is easily you know blackmail bribery like corruption you know this is so obviously hey i'm pressuring you to try and change the results of your election and literally what how is that not a textbook example of something that a president should be impeached for yeah, I mean, to call that thinly veiled is probably overselling it and giving it too much credit. I, and I, I go back to how many times they've recounted, you know, again, again that they brought in this, this state law enforcement oversight. I mean, for him to say, you know, Brad, you know, these results aren't real. I mean, they've been certified so many different ways by so many different people to try and imply anything other than these are legitimate election results is ridiculous. And again, yeah, exactly. To, I, I was trying to find the exact language, and I can't pull up the exact language. But you know, you could get. In, it was something along the lines of you get in real trouble for this, Brad. I mean, he essentially threatened him with prosecution. I, that that that's a threat. I mean, you, you can try and spin it that it's not, but it certainly is. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really any any question to that. But I think so. This happens, right? And then I think the the general consensus is this is obviously either impeachable or right up to the line at the very latest. But like this is nonviolent. The election result is going to stand. Biden's going to be the next president. We've only got a couple of weeks until Biden officially is takes office and is inaugurated. So let's just ride this out what's the worst that can happen and we'll come back to this very shortly so this all happens and then the georgia uh runoff happens we got both seats in georgia are up in the air democrats need both seats in order to attain uh 50 senators and then kamala harris could come in and break the tie chuck schumer would be majority leader with the tie so therefore you know, Democrats set the agenda in the Senate. It's very important if Biden wants to get anything done in his first two years of office. Uh, and, and Andy, going in, I, I feel pretty pessimistic. Like, after how awful 2020 has been, why in the world would I think that, you know, both uh, Democrat senators would win? Uh, uh, Raphael Warnock is running pretty, you know, pretty well against uh, Loeffler, uh, you know, she's running a, a horribly racist campaign. He seems to be very popular. She is, a, you know, was appointed to the seat and wasn't actually elected, so she doesn't, you know, have this base in the state as much. Uh, but Purdue was Purdue beat Ossoff in uh, on the night Donald or on the night Donald Trump was defeated, uh, but he just didn't get that fifty percent. He had quite a bit more votes than Ossoff did. So I was like, okay, they're probably going to split. Republicans are going to re- retain control of the Senate. This is going to be very bad for Joe Biden's agenda. 
Um, and then, you know, mirror, you know, do you believe in miracles that happen? Yeah. Uh, going in, I, I think realistically, I was thinking probably a one-on-one split was the best case scenario. Like, like you said, I mean, Warnock was pretty popular and what, I mean, just what a great story that is. What a, a victory for a black Southern preacher in Georgia state with such a history of, uh, not having racial equality to put it nicely. I mean, let's be honest, if we were ranking the most racist states, Georgia would make the top five. So that alone is just a great story, but I was pretty optimistic about his chances going in, but yeah, I, I figured Ossoff was going to get probably dusted by a couple of points and whew, not so fast, my friend. So again, this, this got counted up much more quickly uh, than the presidential election did. Turnout was still very high for a special election. Um, normally what happens in special elections is, you know, the president's not there. Everybody's not all ginned up to vote. Um, you get a much uh, greater drop-off in turnout, but we were in the 80 to 90% range of what the presidential election is, which is huge uh, for a special election. Um, okay, Andy, so I have a question for you on this, and this is Maybe a little esoteric, but do you think that the Georgia Senate runoffs, are they the last Trump election or the first post-Trump election? And what I mean by that is, is this race like the last race of the Trump era where he was, you know, his the last days of his presidency, he's the one that's really defining everything about politics and people's impressions of it? Or do you think that this was uh, okay? We've we've put Trump behind us. He has lost, and if Trump's not in in the party, if Trump's not president, if he's not running the show, it's going to be worse for Republicans uh, than if he is on the ticket. I think this is the last election of the Trump era. I think this. I, I mean, I, I think the energy. I mean, where you pointed to the, the voter turnout, the energy level. I think that energy level is coming as a direct response to the, you know, you're coming on the heels of the presidential election. So a response to that. And then also just, I think the democratic turnout was so high as a response to, we don't want, you know, four more minutes, let alone four more years of this. So I think these elections were definitely driven by never Trump, anti-Trump let's wrest control of the Senate back from the Republican party that's done all this crazy stuff for the last four years. So yeah, I think these are probably the last elections of the Trump era pretty easily. I feel that way. I agree with you. Um, and the, the, the huge caveat to this, right. Is as of right now, Trump is eligible to run again in 2024. Um, so, you know, it's not, this is not going to be a clean shit where we don't have to wipe like his specter is going to be, you know, I'm the president for the next four years until he decides either, you know, he's too old or scared to run, um, whether he decides he is going to run, whether he just wants to be, you know, play the godfather role and have the next presidential candidate, uh, you know, kiss his ring and get his blessing. Um, so we just don't know what's going to happen. I, I, For me, I mean, again, I've been on this beat the whole time, like, I think the Republican Party is the party of Trump. I mean, you have, you know, senators now who are kind of trying to distance themselves from him. And there's, you know, 
kind of the George Bush Mitt Romney Republican where it's we want tax breaks and we're the party for you know elites and one percenters and uh and big businesses uh and you know and racism but like the quiet like politically correct you know we keep it to ourselves you know racism and and now i i think again i think that i those people certainly still exist uh but i think the overwhelming you know shape and feel of the republican party is trump's base uh you know more white working class we want to you know we want to pers- you know trump is the personification of what we we think and feel and what we believe and uh i just don't know uh what that's gonna mean for the next four years as trump decides whether he's gonna run again or not i think a lot of that's shaking out here in these last 20 days uh, i mean yeah i mean the last 20 days of the presidency i think trump is losing his grip on the republican party seriously by the minute i mean probably from the time we start recording to the time that we're done recording i would imagine he's probably done something where he's he's lost even more of his grip so i think the way the end of these these last couple of weeks shake out will be very telling for what's going to happen and at this point honestly i don't think 2024 is happening i think with the things that have happened this week alone i think a line is definitely being drawn between the the, the Josh Hawley's of the world that are, you know, Trump till I die. And there's a lot of the Mitt Romney's that are pulling back, like, hold on guys. Like well, this is not what we're about. I mean, at this point, tr- Trump has managed to alienate Mike Pence. I don't know that it's happening in 2024. I'm very curious to see. I, I don't disagree with anything that you said from, uh, you know, people are definitely trying to distance themselves from him. Uh, but I'm just curious as to see where the heart of the base is because I feel like we never saw the the number of signs, the number of social media engagement, the just everyday conversation of people like, you know, I don't remember seeing the overwhelming flood of Romney signs or Bush signs, um, you know, but is that just a, a, a small but loud minority of the party or is that, you know, still kind of the overwhelming this is the person that's going to succeed. We, we know that some people think that because we did have the cruises and the Hollies say, you know, we're hitching our, our wagon to him, which again, it's just such a, a degradation for Ted Cruz as far as, as hitching your wagon to the person who's insulted your family. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, there's definitely been even, even today, I think there was an article that came out that there was a large chunk of Republicans who, the events of this past week have really shaken them and said, no, 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 I can't be affiliated with this anymore. You know, the actual voters and real world people. So we will definitely see over the coming months and years um, what exact role he has um, over the Republican party. Yeah. Maybe I'm just being optimistic and hoping that he's, he's sinking 2020, 2024 this week, but. All right. So let's, I mean, we, it's all anybody can really talk about like uh you know something that i think will be a historically significant type day so congress uh is you know set to meet to certify the results of the electoral college what's supposed to be a very you know i think i i read somewhere that it was you know this usually takes somewhere between like five and 15 minutes 
to do on a normal day. Uh, but we have a large number of Republican uh, uh, House members and then a, a handful or so uh, Republican senators who are going to object to some of the results of, of the election. This won't really do anything. It will force a debate and then a vote. And then the vote was widely you know, expected that Biden would continue to, to be president. Really nothing to worry about there. Uh, Andy, but I, I mean, I was at work and I was getting this kind of, and I had a, an hour and a half meeting that happened right, you know, in the heart of this. So like walk us through how this started and just what happened, man. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I had actually, you know, worked a full day, got up early. So I was going for a run. So I logged on to Twitter as I was getting dressed and I saw, you know, oh, there's, you know, big protests at the Capitol. Oh, that's kind of interesting. And I'm, you know, into mile two and, and my phone is buzzing on my arm. And so I, I stopped to have a drink of water and stretch. And I said, what the hell is going on? So, you know, then I end up stopping for like 10 minutes trying to catch up with what's going on. So basically the, there was a small but very vocal protest of, you know, stop the steal that, that Trump has 100% whipped up and has been encouraging for weeks and weeks. See on January 6th, while well, January 6th rolls around and they decide that uh, they're going to go ahead and enter the Capitol and disrupt the vote. So they, I'm really struggling to try and find the right language to say how they managed to get past the Capitol police. I don't know if I should say that they pushed their way by or if they just strolled by while the police waved and said, you guys do your thing. But they, one way or the other, I guess, managed to breach the Capitol, go into the Capitol building, waving Trump flags, Confederate flags, you know, a flag that we fought a, a war for four years to keep out of Washington, D.C. And, and for the first time ever, the Confederate battle flag flew in the Capitol building, which is fucking insane. And if you don't think so, you're an idiot. Um, and, and they just walked into the Capitol, started ransacking offices, uh, you know, taking selfies at members of Congress's desks, uh, stealing shit, pissing in the corners of the office. Well, the Capitol Police, uh, aside from a couple of interventions, basically let it happen. Okay, this is literally like this is going to be we're going to eventually flip through either our our kids or our grand kids history books and this is going to be one of the first chapters that we go you know look and find um if you just state the facts of what happened on wednesday uh it's just mind-blowing like what actually happened the capitol building which as of you know right now i don't know who all exactly was present in it at the time i think you know pretty much everybody the capitol building has number two in the succession. Kamala Harris is still right now technically a senator, but she is vice president. Has Nancy Pelosi, who's Speaker of the House, in third in order of succession. And then a whole bunch of other people. I, I kind of lose track of the succession order after that. But you have all of Congress in the Capitol building getting ready to certify the election. You know, you were basically just m- missing a president and in the Supreme Court as like as a state of the union, you know, of having everybody. I'm going to, I'm going to stop here real quick. So you were talking about, if we're talking about the line of succession, Pence was there and there was a point where he was a target. 
Yes. Yeah, you're right. For sure. Uh, there was, uh, you know, I didn't, I just saw a picture of it and I haven't really like seen any more coverage of it, but it seemed like there was like, you know, a gallows with a noose and people were going to try and lynch Pence. Yes. There's audio of get Pence. They, they were looking for Mike. They were looking for their boy, Mike Pence. So literally, you know, the entire, you know, you know, what the most numerous and probably important branch of of the federal government is all together the building that houses them gets a breach for the first time since the war of 1812 and i looked at this and i was like this can't actually be right like like and so I, i'm doing some googling it's like apparently in the 50s there were some puerto rican you know extremists or terrorists that that came in there or whatever uh, why congress was in session for puerto rican statehood but the verb breached as in there are people that we know about who have made their intentions known outside of the building, forced their way into the building uh, while various members of Congress are evacuated or, or hiding in, in, you know, barricaded in their rooms or in, you know, strongholdings or whatever. And again, operational security, like, you know, computers are just left open. Like there's pictures of people with like, you know, congressman's, you know, computer screens open with God knows what type of access to information or what could be done with that. Um, bo- like the bombs that were reported you know, were discovered to actually be l- real bombs, like they weren't fakes. Uh, there's a guy with Molotov cocktails that got, uh, has either been arrested or they're looking for him. I, I think you could, if you want to be generous, which I don't, um, you could characterize that probably a large portion of the people there you know, they're protesting, They it starts as a protest, and they get into the Capitol, and, you know, sure, they might carry off some stuff, and they're waving a flag, or whatever, but they're, they're, it's not maliciously, like, you know, this is not like a, you know, a, a purposeful coup attempt where they're going, the, you're, they're hunting congressmen and looking to kill people or whatever, but, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter, like, we're just lucky that that didn't happen. Yeah, I, I mean... Who knows what the intentions were? And I mean, the in- the intentions were to stop what was going on and to overthrow the government to reinstall Trump. I don't know that we could be charitable and assume that people were just there trying to wave flag. If you want to have a protest, you can have a protest out front. And there were plenty of people that did that. There were plenty of people that, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious at this point, you and I probably don't agree with the things that they're protesting for. We don't agree with their viewpoints, but they were protesting perfectly legally in the mall. I would say a majority of the people that were there were waving flags, you know, spreading conspiracy theories that they believe about the election, but they were doing it in a peaceful, totally cool First Amendment. You know, you you can gather, you can protest, you can do whatever it is you need to do. But once you break into the building and you, I mean, you're trying to break into the house where the debates are going down, where while this was actually happening was when the Arizona delegation was trying to make their conspiracy theory claims on the floor. So you stopped your own people. That's, that's insane. And and who knows what the intentions were. You have to believe there are people there that absolutely would have done something, would have hurt somebody if they had the opportunity to. So nuts. I mean, the Molotov cocktails and the bombs and the, the M4 that they found, like, 
there's no there's no ambiguity for any of those things um and this was a real Molotov cocktail. This wasn't a plastic bag that was thrown at somebody, Kyle Rittenberg style. This was like a real Molotov cocktail. Right. There's so much more else to say. I mean, you look at, you know, there's pictures of the of these people. Many of them are not wearing masks. Uh, enjoy your visit uh, from the FBI. Uh, that's going to come in the next few days to weeks uh, because. Oh, hold on, though. Do we think that's actually going to happen? Oh, yeah, it's already happening. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, there's been a couple, uh, uh, you know, people who have been, you know, identified. I've seen plenty of of FBI posts on Twitter that are like, you know, looking for any information for this uh, for this person. Uh, yeah, if you uh, if you're in the Capitol uh, with a clear picture of who you are, uh, you know, and you're not wearing a mask or whatever, you're fucked. Uh, is 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 my opinion, um, and. You, I sure hope so. You absolutely deserve whatever's coming to you because, <laughs> I mean, you, you you stormed a federal building. Like, what else is there to say? Uh, I mean, got, there's a couple of rules of protesting, and number one is you don't fuck with federal property. You know, there's the, you know, I mean, there's the guy who, I mean, there, you know, let's just t- take a second for the memes. I mean, there was the... The national, the the Nick Cage uh, memes where he, he's stealing the Declaration of, of Independence, uh, those were pretty funny. You know, there's the, there was the guy who was like literally like taking like a pulpit or whatever, just like the shit, the random shit that was like stolen or whatever out of there was was you know again if we're gonna be funny about it like just so, like it just seemed like people were like oh hey this building's open let's go take some stuff from it but like. You know, there was a guy who was wearing a Camp Auschwitz uh, sweatshirt um, in there, oh. the Confederate flag, you know, you know, Nazi stuff. Just, again, I'm sure there were some people there who didn't really have the most malicious, malicious of intents, but there's enough riffraff and garbage in that crowd that you're guilty by association. Yeah, I mean, how hard is it to just not, go into the building that it's clearly you're not supposed to go. I mean, the, the, there's a line of police outside of you're, you're clearly not supposed to go in. I mean, there, there's a way to protest. And like I said, I mean, many people did have a perfectly reasonable protest where, you know, they stayed in the mall, they stayed outside in the plaza outside of the Capitol building and they didn't do anything crazy. They didn't go into the building. They didn't steal things. They didn't urinate in offices that they weren't supposed to be in. There was, it, it was perfectly possible to have a reasonable protest if that was what you were there for and if you were there to, to do crazy shit and to break into a building you weren't supposed to be in i mean clearly there were people that decided to do that too okay um, so all this happens the capitol police like okay four people die and then i i'm not sure if if it's a if he's a fifth person or he's one of the four i believe he's a fifth person an actual capitol police officer was died from the result of his injuries during this happen and <laughs> again i don't mean this to be a, a you know a horrible douchebag but i'm just gonna say it anyway like you know is the like blue lives matter thing only when police are killing minorities like what a police officer died in this like it's just i i, I don't even know what to say yeah i mean i also want to touch that 
because I, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious what the Blue Lives Matter is. I think Blue Lives Matter is is pretty close to saying Black Lives Don't Matter. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, like it, you just can't. Yeah, that's that's going to be an unpopular take, and I mean, you know, crucify me if you want to, but I don't know if anything proves it more than this. I mean, these these people are literally wearing black the blue back the blue hats, and while they're killing police officer. Yeah, so that's a tough look for sure a police officer dies um again you have police that were trying to do their job i again there was this was not like a surprise like a bunch of people just popped up and this happened i don't know how the police force wasn't prepared for this if you look at how the police force was behaving compared to uh you know how the police force has behaved in in dc and across the country when the protest is largely people of color you know that 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 story rates itself and doesn't even need to be said. Uh, but then you you have clips literally of police officers just kind of pulling back the barricades and are just kind of like, okay, you guys are gonna do whatever you're gonna do, like go for it. Like you know, there's police officers taking selfies with some of these people. I I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I don't know what else to say. It was absolutely ridiculous, and to be the party that that backs law and order, and the party that's for the last six months has had a whole lot to say about oh, everybody's just out there rioting, protesting, you know, destroying things, breaking things. It's like okay, so so this was just your turn, and I mean, you guys are mad because you lost a contest. Your people aren't being, you know, Trump supporters aren't being out there slaughtered in the streets. They're not being killed daily by police that that don't care that are saying oh you got a trump shirt on I, i'm not gonna think twice and shoot you're mad because you lost i was told that trump supporters weren't snowflakes that would riot when they're when their candidate lost but surprise um and again like i so so much of what i've seen uh in my facebook feed as far as you know what some people are posting like oh well we're still not you know looting businesses and burning down buildings like andy what's worse uh, going in, going into a Target whose windows have been busted and taking a TV, or storming the Capitol building looking for the vice president to try and lynch him. I mean, in America, who literally only gives a shit about money, probably the Target in any sort of <laughs> universe that makes sense. I would say lynching the vice president, trying to lynch the vice president, is probably not 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 so good. <laughs> Not so good is right. All right, so let's step back for a bit. So this happens, right? Joe Biden comes out and gives a speech and says, hey, President Trump, you need to come out right away, condemn this, ask people to leave. Uh, It's reported that Trump was just kind of like twiddling his thumbs when this happened, like seemingly kind of, uh, you know, okay with how it was going. Uh, Vice President Pence had to coordinate uh, much of the activity as far as calling in National Guard and getting this in the D.C. police and getting this under control. Uh, you know, eventually Trump comes out, you know, while, you know, as this is winding down, the worst of it is over. He comes out and he puts a video out and it's out on Twitter. <laughs> and it starts out and he says, basically, that I agree with you. I know this election was stolen from me. And then eventually he says, oh, you know, you need to be peaceful. You need to go home. 
but then just continues with just these crazy conspiracy theories. He calls these people very special people. Like, and they, and, and, and so not too long after that, there's, I think there's another tweet and Twitter's like, no, 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 you're in timeout. Yeah. So listening to that, first of all, I, I was infuriated listening because I listened to his whole, you're good people. And you know, we got stolen from us, but guys knock it off. I mean, let's be honest. This is that situation where your wife makes a rule for the kids that you don't agree with. And the kids come to you and you're like, guys, I mean, your mom said you got to stop. So look, I, what do you want me to do? Mom said, I got to. <laughs> this is yeah. My, my analogy to this is this is like when your kid is getting picked on in school and your kid finally stands up for themselves and clocks the bully and you get called into the principal's office with your kid. And it's like, okay, you know that you shouldn't do this when, when everybody knows that you're like, that's my boy, you know, yeah, you stood up for yourself. Like just, just the most mealy mouth, you know, not coming out to say, hey, like this is very easy. This is not who we are. This is not what I want. Go home. Stop doing this. Uh, we'll, you know, even if you want to do a, we'll live the fight another day or something ridiculous like that or whatever. Um, just disgusting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that statement was, was the worst part. Made, uh, I mean, it's not the worst part, but I think I was the most disgusted at that. Of oh, really? Like you could, you should have just said nothing. Like that was worse. What he said was worse than just saying nothing. He should have just said nothing. Okay, so so this happens. It finally kind of starts to get cleaned up. Uh, you know, the police take control. Uh, people go home, uh, and so we're kind of you know we're, we we come to the crossroads of what is going to be done about this, right? So just days before the philosophy was, you know, he calls up Raffensperger and this is clearly horribly awful, but we're not going to do anything about it. He, we're going to try and run out the clock and, you know, because it's, it's not violent, like whatever, he's going to throw a tantrum and it's fine. Now we've crossed that line, right? Like we, people are shaken, you know, people who have been staunch Trump supporters uh, in the government, people, just average people, for sure. Um, again, I'm not trying to paint everybody with the same brush. I'm sure there were plenty of Trump voters who said, whoa, like, whoa, 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 I did not sign up for this. Um, and so this happens, and we've got kind of two paths forward, right? So you have the 25th Amendment crew. Uh, which again, that allows if there's a majority of the cabinet that votes that says the you know president is unfit to, to continue being president, uh, that gets routed to Congress. Congress can take a vote, yada yada. Um, and then there's you know we you know impeachment part two. So as this is percolating, kind of what do you think? I mean, again, I think that 25th Amendment is unreason. You know, is is the most. Uh, unbelievable choice in the sense that like trump handpicked these people for the most part and i highly doubt you'd get a majority that would vote for it and then so obviously that leans us more towards impeachment which we've already done once and and trump didn't learn any lessons from it so like what what were you thinking uh as this happened i mean just for the we'll say the novelty factor and just the history factor and just the, Oh my God, this might have, I mean, 25th amendment was very exciting. I don't think it's 
the least bit realistic at this point. Uh, I, I mean, I think at this point, Pence has even come out and said, yeah, I'm not doing that. So I, I guess this is my the point where I want to say I've been called out for uh, on Mike Pence. So I, we, we had a listener <laughs> call me out and say, you've been awfully critical of Mike Pence. How do you feel about him right now? And my response was, have you seen the Jets this year? The Jets have been shit all year just because they won a game or two. doesn't mean they're not shit. But Mike Pence has done the right th- – he's done a couple of right things the, the last couple of days. So for the, the work that he did to get Congress back in session, to confirm the vote, absolute respect for that. He, he, he did the right thing. at the, the, the Someone needed to step up and do the right thing when shit was falling apart, and Mike Pence did that. So – Thanks for that, Mike Pence. Maybe I'll visit Indiana again because I literally get like this eerie feeling every time I'm going to Indiana. Like, eh, this is the place where Mike Pence came from. I don't know if I should be here. So I guess I'll go back to Indiana. There's plenty of great places to go there. Um. <laughs> All right, I want to take a second, real quick, like, yeah, to de- to defend you from said listener. Um, this is have you, Andy? Have you ever seen the movie Heat with De Niro and Pacino? I have not. Okay, you need to watch this movie is is excellent. Uh, it's it's just a bank heist movie. Uh, Pacino's the cop and De Niro's the bank robber, uh, and De Niro has a whole crew and all that. It's it's crazy as coked up Pacino. It's amazing. Um, nice, but the analogy is here. Like Mike Pence is like you know this is they've he's tried to rob a bank and it's gone sideways and now he's like sad that he tried to rob a bank like no you already did the bad thing you you can't go for four years and then get cold feet right at the end and try and separate yourself from this guy like you are you enabled uh this guy you were silent with all of his craziness all of his illegality all of his malevolent malevolence all of his incompetence you do not get to try and pass the buck on this last little bit of uh, of his presidency. You know what would help him pass the buck and make him look great, though? 25th Amendment. 25th Amendment. <laughs> um, and so and maybe the founders thought of this. Maybe they didn't. So the other thing that you can do to avoid the 25th Amendment is you could just have your cabinet members start resigning. Uh, and that has happened. Uh Secretary of uh, Transportation, Mitch McConnell's wife, Elaine Chow. Uh, she, I believe her name is, and she's out. Yep. Uh, Betsy DeVos, who really, you know, we should have spent more time on Betsy uh, in the earlier days of this podcast because she is awful in her own oh. right. Uh, she, she has stepped aside. Uh, so anybody that I'm sure thought they could be, you know, called into a 25th, amendment meeting that might have you know cold feet and might actually want to vote him out they just got around that by just saying look i'm piecing the fuck out like i'm not i'm not being a part of this yeah smart move on their parts um <laughs> i'm surprised that Betsy DeVos was able i mean who wrote her letter of resignation for her? you know she didn't do that shit on her own because she doesn't i can't imagine she could write a full paragraph all by herself I um, saw uh, I saw somebody on Twitter instead of they were like for D- Betsy DeVos instead of thoughts and prayers it said yachts and prayers which wow. I thought was pretty cool I thought was pretty clever <laughs> nice yeah maybe we go back and do a whole episode just about what trash she has been for America uh, I mean there's certainly a whole episode's worth of content to to be done about that so and her and her confirmation hearings from way back at the beginning were were special. 
Uh, you remember how all the teachers needed guns so they could shoot the bears that were on uh, on school property? Hey. <laughs> no, I don't. Re- I don't remember. That sounds like some Sarah Palin. I can see. Oh, I can see Russia stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, maybe maybe we'll go back and do a live watch of <laughs> of some of the confirmation highlights, and I can just lose my mind because I didn't oh. see that. Oh my goodness. Okay, so 25th Amendment, let's be honest, like, you know, that would be extremely cool. Congress doesn't have to vote for a month, so they could literally just run out the clock on Trump. They could, you know, he wouldn't, you know, his presidency would be suspended. He would not be fit for office, but that's not going to happen. So let's scratch it off the list. Okay, that brings us back to impeachment. Before we get into impeachment, I just want to say, I just want to say we did not forget about you, Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz. So the Senate, you know, has less of these crazies than the House does. And I think there's like 12 or 13 who want to object. And then all of this craziness happens. And about half of those Republican senators are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I did not sign up for this. And they, you know, say, oh, just kidding. I had a change of heart. Uh, Joe Biden's going to be the next president. I'm not going to withdraw or I'm not going to question these results. But you still have a small handful of senators who were like you remember how there was just an insurrection you know earlier today that's fine i'm totally cool with that i'm still objecting to the these election results which is insane which is totally insane like again and i don't know what is the game plan here like are you just banking on you're putting all of your chips in the trump's not going to run again basket because if you're just going to be you know you know the the figurative donald trump jr since there is an actual literal donald trump jr um you're you're never gonna win those votes from donald trump he's still gonna crush you like a bug he already did that to ted cruz um so i mean sure i guess you just hope that trump's not gonna run again in 2024 and you inherit his mantle um but (laughs) but after uh after the earlier days events it's just crazy to me that that actually people were like Yep, I'm still on board with this. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, so, you got to think some of that is just pride. You know, after you've said something insane, maybe you just have to double down on it. I, I, who knows? I guess. Simon so, Schuster, though. So, in, impeachment. Uh, we know the House probably wouldn't have any issue uh, getting, you know, it's a simple majority. The Democrats still control the House. Um, there is an article right now drafted, just one article, and it, and I forget the exact words. It's something to do with inciting violence or sedition or insurrection, and it, that could very well come, you know, start coming through House committees and all that as soon as Monday, um, is what I've seen on the Twitter so far. So you know, Trump has already been impeached once. Uh, it died in the Senate. Uh, Mitt Romney became the first Republican the vote to impeach a member of his own party uh there there's been talk there has been republican senators uh that have come out and said like donald trump needs to resign so there are more people uh that are kind of you know saying oh hey maybe you still need i believe 67 senators uh to actually remove trump from office and again there's still the the psychological you know, let's just run out the clock and hope he doesn't do anything crazy. Uh, but we already tried that once and it didn't work. So 
I don't know, yeah, man. It's I, impeachment I, thing. I, I kind of thought that that's where we were going to go. Is, is I mean, I figured he would bluster on Twitter and that but that we would just run out the clock and nothing crazy would happen. And uh, I was wrong on that one. Yeah, exactly. So, again, like, he's already, you know, you've already had one failed coup. Like, do we really want to, like, go for two? Like, let's just not have one at all. So, uh, there, there's an, a three-dimensional chess layer to this, too, Andy, that I think is actually kind of interesting. So, you know, obviously, in the Senate, you would have, you know, probably, maybe not everybody, but probably uh, the overwhelming um, uh, majority of Democrats would vote yes. If, you know, especially, you know, you think of... Holly and and Cruz if Trump is actually impeached by the Senate he is not eligible to run for office in 2024 he no longer becomes a threat to them uh you know his specter you know he he might still play the godfather role but he cannot actually run uh so there's all kinds of motivations for Trump to actually be impeached and here's just my own personal opinion like you might wonder about the politics of this. Is this actually needed so close to Biden's inauguration? Blah, 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 blah. Like to me, if you've done something impeachable, you need to be impeached. It is Congress's job to do that. Like, you know, screw, you know, all of the unintended side effects of it. Like you have a duty to say, Hey, this person is not fit to be president and needs to be removed. I don't care how many days of his, of his tenure are left. Yeah, I mean, if the analogy for me would be a crime. If, if you have a, a cold case and you don't necessarily know, you know, it takes you a long time to figure out who did it. And the guy's 80 years old. When you find him, do you just not prosecute because he's 80 years old? And sure, you can give him life in prison and it might be the next six years. No, you lock him up because yep. he committed the crime and he's got to do the time. I think it's the same story here. For sure. I mean, I definitely agree with that. So will this actually happen? I mean, Congress actually, you know, decided that they were not going to be in session in, until the inauguration. Uh, but I mean, there's still, people are still working on it again. I think the articles have been drafted for the house. You know, I, I'm not, you know, I pay attention quite a bit, but I don't know exactly how many committees it needs to clear and how quickly it could go in front of the house as a whole how quickly Mitch could choose or not choose to uh, take it up and when exactly Chuck Schumer takes over as uh, a majority leader. Um, so I think the most likely scenario is knock on wood, nothing actually happens. Maybe the house gets there. It doesn't, nothing really happens in the Senate. Uh, and we just try to run out the clock on the Trump presidency and just, hold our breath again and hope that nothing crazy happens. I believe the judiciary committee waived. Uh, I don't know the, the exact term, but you know, basically hearing it in their subcommittee before it goes on. So that should streamline it and, and get it there quicker. I mean, yeah, I, I think we're probably just running out the clock. I, I don't necessarily think he's going to actually be removed. That'd be sweet if he was, but yeah, I, I think we run out the clock, but Man, that would be nice if we could ensure that that we don't have to worry about this four years from now. Yeah, I mean, I I'm I, I hear a lot of people, and I mean, you made the argument earlier, you know, that you think 2024 has become a far, you know, 
uh, you know, a, definitely a decreasing probability that it's going to happen for him. And that may all be well and good. I'm not disputing that, but I just don't even want to consider the possibility. If I can write him out completely out of the equation, um, I am definitely for that. Because, again, I mean, he has Ivanka. He has Donald Jr. You know, there's going to be these Republican senators that try to take up the mantle. Uh, but if I'm going to speak weirdly positively about Trump, like there is nobody else like him, in my opinion, I don't think there's anyone else that will be able to successfully carry the crazy mantle of this new Republican party that he has tapped into, uh, as well as he has. And so if we can get him off the ballot, sign me up right now. 100% agree with that. And again, I and there's a, a a not small part of me that wants him to be the only president who's been impeached twice, and you know just you know he will forever live in infamy as just this disgrace of a president. Yeah, I'm not sure it takes the impeachments for him to live forever in disgrace. But <laughs> true. Yeah, I mean, I mean, It'd be nice to throw a little bit of history. I mean, he he's always wanted to make history, so let's give him a gift on his way out. Merry Christmas, Don. Yeah, I'm already envisioning the day, you know, when I'm very old and I have my grandkids on my knee and and just explaining to them, this shit was crazy. <laughs> 2020, the Trump presidency, 2021, this shit was crazy. Hey, maybe maybe they can listen to the show and see how crazy <laughs> granddad thought it was in real time. Yeah, when we all have like neural implants and can just blink blink your eyes a couple times and you'll get the latest episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. Hey. Uh, <laughs> episode 497. Exactly. Is there anything else that we want to say about this? I mean, again, from a news perspective, I, I could not have imagined that 2021 would already be this eventful. We haven't talked anything about COVID. I don't really have anything to say. I hope that more people choose to get vaccinated than the trend line that we have right now. Uh, but that's a, a conversation for another time. Uh, do you want to put a bow on this at all, or do you think we hit everything? Yeah, so I, I know that the podcasting isn't necessarily social media, but but Donald, if you're listening, I know you're banned from everything else, but if you want to come on Buckeye Dads Discuss, uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? We're not going to have you. Find a different podcast. We don't want you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get out. I guess I didn't even I, I I did not you know explicitly say that. So as of you know just before this show, yeah, a couple uh, minutes ago, <laughs> uh, uh, Donald Trump's Twitter account was per, uh, permanently suspended. Uh, even earlier than that, he was banned from Facebook and Instagram. Uh, people are just done with this guy. Uh, you know this is you know he's he's crossed the line so many times. But you have, you know, when you get to the point where it's like, you know, this tweet is inciting violence and it's the president of the United States, you know, making it, then, dude, you're done. You're done. You're toast. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm sad that there's not an outlet that he can be on because I think they're even banning Parler now, which is like, you know, basically like an insane right wing conspiracy theory. He can't even be on that. There, there's a really sick, sad part of me that just, I want to know what he's thinking, right? The rage that he is probably trying to tweet and then just pounding that tweet, tweet, tweet button and realizing that he's banned. 
could you imagine what he's thinking right now? The golf courses are closed. It's night. It's dark. He can't golf. What is he doing? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> can we get him a Twitch account? <laughs> like, he, like you said, I think you were the one that texted me that earlier. Yeah, like... He's going to be twitching. He's going to be playing uh, Call of Duty, Capital Warfare <laughs> on the Twitch. <laughs> so they ban him too. Uh, I can't believe this is just what a week a week it's been so far in 2021 the four seasons total landscaping doesn't even look that bad right now though that actually looks totally reasonable at this point crazy all right so this is our first episode of 2021 let's take just a little bit to look back what do you think we learned about us personally and kind of society over the course of 2020 and what do you want out of 2021 so i'm gonna start with the positive because man my negative list can go a lot longer than my positive list um i don't know if it's necessarily something that i've learned but you know i've, I've talked about my kids before you know my kids are they during the course of the pandemic they turned four and ten So to have this year, because I've been working from home for close to a year now, to have a year at home, especially, you know, with a preschool-aged kid, and even to just to drop my older kid off at school every day is something that I could never do before. It's it's been really cool just as a dad to be able to connect with them and to be able to spend that time with them. I mean, I'm I'm not going to say that it's been all sunshine and rainbows, and, you know, there's certainly been times where, not leaving the house for weeks at a time has, has been a challenge, but just having that extra time that I would have never expected to be able to spend with my kids has been really cool. So I, I think I've probably learned a lot about myself as a parent. I've learned that I can figure out how to do Zoom because I absolutely hated the concept of Zoom before 2020. And now I've, you know, with all the features of it, I've, I've actually almost come to prefer it. I think I've learned that that my threshold for social interaction is pretty low, but still there. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not the most social person in the world. I'm pretty comfortable, you know, staying home, being alone. But I, I've certainly found that there's a limit to where, uh, you know, I I can get by with a little, but but none is is a little bit too much. So, as far as about myself, I think those are the lessons I learned. Society. Why don't you share the things that you've learned? Because I don't necessarily want to go into what I've learned about society right now. Yeah. So I would say the last thing that you said is one of my biggest takeaways of the past year is, you know, the actual, you know, the relationships that you normally take for granted. There was an opportunity to really cherish those in 2020 uh, because you really find out like, look, Hey, you know, everybody has their own circle that was acceptable for them during the pandemic. For some people, it was just the people who are living in their house. And that was it. You know, for some people, it was pretty much everybody that they normally saw, but a lot of people contracted their social circle at least somewhat this year. And it was really interesting to see like, you know, these are the relationships that even though science says I need to get down to as close to zero as possible, with who I come in contact with. I cannot function in society. I cannot live my life 
without being involved with these people. And so I, again, like I am somebody who is very content on the weekends to just stay in and putz around the house and watch a movie with the kids and, you know, spend time with my wife and just sit on the computer and dick around on the internet. Uh, and I've really, you know, learned that cabin fever is real and that even just some of these really basic human interactions that you take for granted, you know, just being able to walk around in a mall or, or target and, and, you know, look, you know, window shop and, and bump into people and, and just be a part of society. I've seen it with my kids, you know, my, my oldest son uh, is in first grade and, you know, has largely been out of school you know he said he's had some hybrid in two days he's had some virtual stretches where he's been all remote and i've really seen it kind of uh you know he has been resilient and he has done as well in school as a kid can do in this situation but just the you know the 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 craving of socialization uh and just being so excited i mean we'll save this for another episode but uh, my son's school district said to hell with it four days a week everybody's going to be back in school k through five uh and so he's had his first day just they had an easing in week uh this week uh with everybody back but on thursday everybody in the school was there and he was so excited to go to school that day and see all of his friends and classmates uh and so just seeing you know again we've had so many families step up and help uh with with child care and babysitting and my wife and I have also had those periods of working from home and it's been very precious to, to be with the kids for more than a normal year. I would say, uh, you know, that it's okay to, to pause and relax and take a breath and maybe not always have, you know, the weekends and the evenings filled with social events with family and friends and to-do lists and whatnot. And again, just to say like, look, like, you know, there's so many, you know, you better not take these relationships for granted, uh, you know, because again, these people, these people, you cannot function, you cannot be a mentally healthy person if you don't have these relationships in your life. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I've spent holidays away from my parents that I've never spent. I mean, we did Thanksgiving at home, we did Christmas at home, and that was shit. Yeah. So, and I mean, yeah, there was, there was a whole hell of a lot of people that did the same thing that you did. And, uh, you know, it's, and you know, I, I'm sure there's going to be a whole lot of, um, interest in seeking mental health and therapy and, and hopefully we can have some reform that comes out of this when we realize exactly how vital and those things are just as important as physical medicine, uh, to people's overall health. Uh, but yeah, man, it's just was it, it was a crazy year in our personal life uh, and i'm very glad that it's over absolutely i don't think i've ever i've had I, i've had more exciting new year's eves but i'm not sure i've ever been as excited maybe 2010 that was just a rough year personally for me but i don't know if i've ever had a new year's that i was more excited to just be done with that year yeah. than i was with this one i agree the things that I learned about society, uh, I'm not going to go full negative. Like, so let's like this, I think we will look back on and we will equate it to, you know, the, the space race and putting a man on the moon. 
the the way that vaccine development happened uh, is really just a modern miracle of medicine and something that we should all be really proud of. Uh, so many brilliant people uh, from around the world and here in the United States uh, contributed to development of treatments and and these vaccines that are coming out. Uh, there's still a long way to go, uh, but I'll choose to pick that as one of my big takeaways um, that, you know, there were, you know, there were small and large acts of kindness uh, that, you know, oftentimes we gloss over uh, with people helping out their neighbors and people volunteering to go, you know, on grocery runs and pharmacy runs for people who are immunocompromised or shouldn't be out uh, for COVID you know, so there definitely was societal good this year, and I don't want to gloss over it. But that's true. I I, I think that brings a great perspective, and that's why I let you go first because I knew you'd be able to put a more positive spin on it than I could. So that's true. We did see a lot, especially I would say, and it was you know the the middle of March to the middle of April. There were a lot of really cool things of people being creative and people kind of you know as, as we adapted to that new normal as as people call it we we did see a lot of cool things and people taking care of their neighbors and and people maybe changing priorities to you know worry more about families or more worry more about their neighbors rather than you know their the bottom line at their businesses i mean there were a lot of businesses that did a lot of really cool things locally and nationally so you're right there was a lot of you know, things that could maybe restore our faith in humanity that we saw at the beginning. I, I think there's been plenty this year that has been able to destroy our faith in humanity. But yeah, there, there were some really cool things, I would say, especially at the beginning. And? Oh, was there more? <laughs> but the flip side of that coin <laughs> is what else did we see in 2020? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> the gloves came off. I I, I lost Facebook friends. I lost I lost Facebook family over political things, over things that are essentially matters of subtle science, but that's not the opinion that that some people (laughs) share. I mean, I I feel like the gloves really came off this year and, and people were not afraid to say what they thought, even when those things were extremely ignorant, offensive, horrible. D, all of the above. I mean, we, we've talked about the Trump administration on this podcast, so I think we've probably covered most of it. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to harp on it. Like, we, you know, again, you you see great acts of kindness, and you see great acts of selfishness and ignorance, and there's no need to dwell on it. It's a new year. Again, I feel better. Uh, I know this week was crazy, uh, but there's definitely been a little bit more pep in my stamp um you know we'll we'll close our long national nightmare of the trump presidency put it behind us uh we got a vaccine that's being rolled out not rolled out in the best manner possible but it's coming uh and and again just i have high hopes that 2021 will be a better year uh and that we will start to approach normal as we get into the second half of the year you see those Georgia runoffs? And the Georgia runoffs, baby. <laughs> hey, so one thing we haven't talked about, 2021, uh, New Year's Day. What'd you do, I don't know, 
say from 8 p.m. on on New Year's Day. Andy, I watched the Ohio State Buckeyes smack around the Clemson Tigers, and I have rarely felt as vindicated as seeing the grin wiped off Dabo Sweeney's smug face as our Buckeyes annihilated Clemson in the college football playoff semifinal. We are all the Trey Sermon smirk right now. <laughs> oh, man. I would not. If you had to give me all the options. A Clemson blowout, uh, a Clemson tight win, a Buckeye tight win, a Buckeye blowout, man. I never in a million years would have thought that that was what was going to happen. Look, I, I thought Clemson was going to cover pretty easily. And I think I said that on the podcast. And if I didn't, I'll, you know, I'll out myself here. I didn't think it was going to be that close. I thought, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is a dog. I thought, I thought Clemson would throw all over us. And man, am I glad to have them just shove it down my throat and me to look like an idiot because I look like an idiot. Ohio State came out and dominated Clemson. Oh, there is nothing more satisfying than seeing sad Dabba. I could <laughs> just, just spoon feed it to me. Oh. I you know all of the like number eleven memes. Oh, you know, everybody weighing in. You know LeBron James getting in the mix. Uh, you know just just the, just so you know you just Dabo poured gasoline on the fire and got exactly what was coming to him. Uh, you know Justin Fields gets annihilated uh, in the middle of the game. Uh, I really don't know how he wasn't peeing blood that night, uh, how his ribs were still intact. Um, but, you know, it doesn't doesn't let him bother him. Still is out there throwing bombs. Uh, the offense just looked great. Uh, you know, the receivers showed up. And the defense held it together. Again, you don't need to be, you know, in you know, a super elite defense as long as you hold your opponent to less points than what you have. You know, we, we bent, but we didn't break. And, uh, man, I was surprised. I was really surprised. And just what a way to start off the year. How were we not just feeding Trey Sermon 25 carries a game? My wife, uh, it started out as, like, she was a Master T guy, uh, you know, person. <laughs> She's not a guy. Um, she Whoa! Was, <laughs> <laughs> she was she was all about master t as the year started and then you know you finally get trey sermon breaking out against northwestern and just you know looking like one of the best backs in the country and he continues to play extremely well versus clemson and guess what uh i i bet you you know i haven't really checked in too much on the the health situation but if he's active i bet you there's going to be a whole lot of trey sermon in the alabama game Oh, he's been nasty the last two games. That I was, I get major like Carlos Hyde vibes, and I think I might be a little bit kind of biased on my opinion of Carlos Hyde. So I went to the game when we played Northwestern, and what was that twenty? That might have been the twenty twelve season. It was there was a thunderstorm. The game got delayed. It was really really wet and it was nasty and and i want to say we were down at halftime and carlos hyde basically just came out in the second half and said you guys we're not losing this game like uh you guys can just sit and watch me i'm gonna go fucking score and i just get major just carlos hyde like 
nah, not today's not the day. Like I'm gonna go out and win this game, whether you guys are coming with me or not. Vibes from Trey Sermon, and I love it, love it. And the yards after contact too. Like again, like that's another oh. kind of color side thing where it's like, no, it's like not just one guy's gonna bring me down. Like I'm gonna go, and if I get into the second level, I'm gonna you know bust this for a really long one. So yeah, um, I. He he is so much fun to watch. I almost forget that ju- that Justin Fields just had a ridiculous game. Like I watched him the highlights, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess that was a sick pass." And there's like six more long touchdowns. So I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess that was decent too." But uh, Trey Sermon is the one that just uh, just feed him the ball for me. I'm so entertained by him. He's he's like a, a Derrick Henry at the college football level. I remember, you know, in previous years, Trevor Lawrence just torching us with his legs. And uh, the front seven really kept him bottled up, and it really wasn't, you know, too bad. I mean, they, you know, they definitely put some points on the board, but, you know, for the most part, it was, you know, there's some garbage time, but uh, the defense held up, which I'm surprised that they did. Uh, you know, we're going to be, you know, playing Alabama. Alabama beats Notre Dame. No surprise to anyone ever in the world that yeah. that happened. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not picking us to win. Uh, beating Dabo is more than enough for 2021 for me, but you know, we've been, uh, the underdogs against Alabama before and it's worked out. So we'll see. Bring it on. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to say anything cause I mean, I look like such a fool after thinking that Clemson was going to cover. So I have no opinion on this, but I'll be watching. We'll be watching on a Monday night, which I hate that the national championship game is on a Monday, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean that that's that's a tough time, but man, this weekend's NFL action is legit. So I understand why it's not going to be this weekend. Yeah, because pretty much every wild card game in the NFL is very watchable. So I, I'm looking forward to that, and then just cap it off with that nice little Ohio State Sunday on Monday night. Let's go. Let's go. One last minor note before we start wrapping things up with our list. Uh, it, it becomes official. Jim Harbaugh signs an extension to be the head coach at Michigan football, and there was much rejoicing. Oh, I I hope that his rule lasts a thousand years. Harbaugh for <laughs> oh, I mean, allegedly the contract is low base salary, high performance incentives. What whatever whatever you got to do, Michigan. Uh, yeah, they paying him nothing if they're paying him for performance. Yeah, if you want, if you need me to throw in a couple dollars uh, to help keep him around, uh, just let I, me know. I made that joke to my wife when I read that. I said, "Look, I said I bet you could get Ohio State to fund that entire salary <laughs> without much of a problem. Ohio State fans would pay every dollar of it." Yeah, so I'm going to PayPal uh, the University of Michigan $100, and then I'm going to uh, – did you see that there were a whole bunch of people that were PayPaling or Venmoing Mitch McConnell for the $1,400 or $2,000 for the stimulus checks? No. They, like fa- – somebody, like, found his, like, PayPal account or whatever, and it just, like, got bombarded with a request for $2,000. Nice. Yeah, oh, let's man. let's get on the stimulus checks going. Andy needs a new car. <laughs> uh, Biden's promised another round of stimulus uh, when he comes to office. Uh, Joe Manchin, Joe Manchin, the most conservative Democratic 
senator has said no 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 or at least it needs to be more means tested uh so we'll see uh but there's a new dawn coming with the joe biden presidency and i'm very very optimistic about what 2021 will hold i would almost go so far as to say i'd buy an american car but that's probably not gonna happen (laughs) all right andy let's get into it our list of the week let's do it it's the list of the week so uh, in keeping with the theme of this episode, we've been very newsy. Uh, Andy, you were a history major at Ohio State. Uh, and you and I put together, this is a, a mutual list, our top 10 most significant events of the 21st, uh, 21st century so far, uh, American history style. Yeah, so I, I actually had forgotten that I had a history degree, so thanks for throwing that out there. Um, this may be the first time I've ever used it in any sort of semi-official capacity, so uh, thanks, Ohio State. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, you and I put together our own long list, and then we smushed them together. We had a lot of overlap. I think there's some very obvious ones. Uh, we kind of combined some things. Uh, we have some honorable mentions to get to. Uh, but man, dude, the, the 2000s have been, you know, I'm sure every generation feels that the time that they lived in was this great historical, uh, important moment. And, you know, things have changed so much, but so much has happened in these 20 years so far. Yeah, it's it's been a wild couple of decades here. I actually, <laughs> I think it was like the third or fourth that I realized that on top of all the other crazy stuff that was going on, we'd flip to a new decade, so... Yep. So, all right, we got a long list of honorable mentions. Uh, we we include some uh, some of the more like pop culturey things in here too, uh, which obviously aren't going to place on a historical list. Uh, but let's just uh, let's trade off on some of these. Uh, so, uh, this is a very recent and close to our hearts. Alex Trebek sadly passes away from pancreatic cancer. Uh, his last show was tonight, right? It was tonight. Um, I'm going to be honest. It was a little bit underwhelming. There was, there was a nice little, uh, farewell, you know, there was a, maybe a two or three minute montage at the end of the episode of kind of some, some funny moments of him, some heartwarming moments of him, like on the, the kid tournaments and stuff, but it was, I mean, I, I'm just going to out myself here and be honest. I, I straight up cried when I saw that he had died and I knew it was coming, but I mean, Trebek has been just such a part of my life that there were people that when Michael Jackson died, I was like, I don't get it. And like people were upset and I was like, I don't get it. I mean, he's, he's a singer whatever, but I felt it when Alex Trebek died. Like that, it was just like a, Oh, that hurts. And it didn't get me tonight. I just watched it. And I was kind of like, oh, I mean, that was all right. So I, I would say that the, what CBS did was not, the most touching tribute, but at the same time, it, it was pretty on brand for Trebek. I feel like Trebek maybe wouldn't have wanted people to make a big fuss about him. It was always more about the show to him than it was about, you know, him as kind of the star of the show. I don't think he ever saw himself as the star, even though all the rest of us did. So, so maybe it was on brand, even if it wasn't the most touching thing in the world, but yeah, that, that, that was a rough one for me personally. And I'm sure it was for you too. Cause I, I mean, I, I know both of us have watched Jeopardy growing up. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching it, you know, with my dad. It was one of the activities that we enjoyed or whatever. And 
Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, when somebody's, I mean, again, obviously we don't know Alex Trebek, but he's been in our life for, for a very long time. Um, so definitely a sad moment for sure. Um, uh, and again, I'm sure that he had a quite a bit of a role and, you know, they, you know, the network said, you know, whatever you want to do, Trebek, you know, we're fine with. So I'm that the understatedness goes along with him for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the next thing here on our honorable mentions, uh, the Boston Marathon bombing. Uh, this particularly sticks in my head uh, because this this happened while April and I were on our honeymoon. Uh, and it was just, you know, tragic event uh, that we got to experience kind of kind of out of body since we were not even in the States uh, when this happened. Uh, but this is definitely one of the things that just like sticks in my head uh, as this crazy moment. I forget uh, the uh, the movie they made with Mark Wahlberg, I think it's called Patriot Day. Uh, yep. And I and I saw it in the theater with one of my cousins and I it, it definitely stuck with me and. Uh, just a crazy moment in American history and uh, obviously overshadowed by something that's going to be uh, very high up on our, on our list uh, for the past two decades, but crazy moment for us. Yeah. And you're a new England guy, you know I mean? Your, your roots go to new England. So I, I think that's something that, well, it was, you know, a tragic event for all of us. I, I, I get the impression something that, that has really stuck with new england guy you know people and they've taken that a bit personally so that was a tough day i'm gonna lump two uh two of these in together as just like really big uh pop cultural things harry potter and the the mcu um just took the country by storm got people to read which i'm never gonna complain about the MCU has altered the course of film and what kind of movies get made and what actors you can get involved to be in superhero movies. Uh, two things that I personally enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, you know, obviously not important in the grand scheme of things, uh, but definitely two big ticket items uh, in the past two decades. Yeah, I saw a couple of the Harry Potter movies, and uh, do you want me to take the next one on the list? Yes, go for it. Lead us <laughs> I, I don't, I don't have a whole lot to add on that one. Um, so, so this is one from my list. Uh, 2005, when the death penalty was ruled illegal for juveniles, I think that was something that was honestly a bit shocking. That up until 2005, we were still executing juveniles in the United States of America. So, so to me, that was a big moment early on in the 2000s i think it was insane that it was that late in history that it happened but it happened and i put it on the list congratulations america we cleared the lowest bar possible so good for us (laughs) that's what we're about these days um one of the things that was on my list uh super important from a science perspective the human genome was finally you know sequenced uh there's whole lots of applications uh, in the field of medicine for this uh, some of them pretty scary to contemplate you know I'm sure over the next several decades there will be lots of uh, you know philosophical and ethical and moral conversations about what human beings should can and should do with the knowledge we have about the human genome uh, and that's a conversation for another podcast but definitely important scientifically yeah, I'll take a couple here. I think I've taken up a bit of a mantle as the space guy here. So uh, the SpaceX launches, especially with just kind of how 
you know, the, uh, the SpaceX things are reusable. So the, the Falcon launch system, I think has been, I mean, personally, it's been really interesting and I've watched probably three or four of the launches now hours and hours of coverage because I, I just think it's awesome. But I, I think that's really revolutionizing, you know, the privatization of space and that we're really creating reusable vehicles that we're going to be able to hopefully, you know, move on with Project Artemis to the moon and then, and then move on to Mars. I think that's fascinating. So SpaceX. And then one that actually you had on your list and I didn't because I didn't think that this was going to be a big enough story that it would resonate with people. So I was pretty happy that you had it on your list because you're not the space guy is Pluto got kicked out of the planet club. I still really can't accept it if I'm being honest. Yeah. I mean, my very educated mother just served us nine noodles. It's not, it's not noodles. That's how they teach you now is served as noodles. That's bullshit. It's nine pizzas. Because <laughs> Pluto's the P in yep. that So goodbye, uh, Pluto. We hardly knew you as a planet. Rest in peace, Pluto. I mean, it, legit though, if we were to include Pluto as a planet at the size that it's at, our solar system would actually grow way beyond nine. So it's actually kind of legit that Pluto got kicked out of the planet club. But damn it, I miss my childhood where Pluto was a planet. So bring back Pluto. <laughs> Um, and then finally for honorable mentions, uh, four athletes that I feel have, you know, the, been the face of these past two decades, Tom Brady, LeBron James, Tiger Woods, Serena Williams. Is there anyone you would add to this list? No, hundred percent. That's, that's the list. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think Tom Brady's been playing the NFL since like, what was it? 84, something like that. So <laughs> Brady definitely, I mean. <laughs> I said a decent run here in the 2000s. Yeah, I mean, yeah, LeBron. I mean, all of these guys have been dominant from the beginning of the decade to, I mean, Tiger won the Masters last year. So, yeah, I love that list. Great list. All right. Let's move into our top 10. These are not in any particular order. Andy, let's start at, from the bottom and work our way up. But again, these are all extremely important events or movements. Um, it's fool's errand to try and rank them in any particular way, but uh, kick us off with number 10. Yeah, so number 10 was the Me Too movement. Um, so we're not starting off on a positive note in any way, but just, I mean, I'm sure everyone is aware that the Me Too movement was basically uh, just support for people who have who are survivors of sexual abuse, sexual assault, um, and basically just the idea that, that we believe people when they come out and say that, that they were victims and that we support them and, and we have a, a legal system and then just a mental health system that supports people that have gone through that situation. So I think the Me Too movement was something that, that I, I, I mean, I think before, before I, I don't want to say necessarily before the 2000s, but, but not all that long ago, sexual assault and sexual abuse were kind of just normalized in our society in a really sickening way. So the, the fact that there is much more societal support for people coming out and, and being able to express those things and, and share their experiences and being able to know that there's a society that's going to believe them and then hold the people that committed these crimes accountable, I think is huge. So the Me Too movement is on the list for the top events of the 21st century. Absolutely. And I mean, again, like this is not just you know, the one-off random executive and whatnot or whatever. I mean, Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, you know, even Joe Biden has his history of 
you know, of uh, run-ins with, with various women that would, that don't seem particularly on the up and up, um, you know, this is, you know, this is finally saying, look, like there's been a culture in place for a very long time and that culture is no longer acceptable anymore. Uh, so definitely just a huge, uh, you know, and, and, and hopefully eventually we'll get to the point where we look back at this and we say, you know, this was a turning point and we've, we've moved on to a much better place. Absolutely. Um, I forgot number nine on our list, which is shameful. Uh, but I left, I originally left COVID off of my list. Uh, it is here right now at, at number nine. Uh, and you can, and you can blow this out a little bit and you can put Ebola and, uh, you know, the swine flu and, uh, and several other things here. Uh, but just these new diseases, uh, it's certainly possible that this is going to be playing more and more of a, a role in our lives that the once in a century pandemic is not going to be once in a century anymore. It's going to be more frequent. Uh, but particularly how it relates to America, just the complete and utter mismanagement of the pandemic from a public health perspective, uh, from a mass perspective, from a PPE perspective, from a federal government leadership perspective, uh, what it did to society, how it radically changed everything about our day-to-day lives. Uh, you know, this is definitely something that will be studied, uh, you know, as far as government, and public health, uh, basic human behavior, everything in between. This is going to be a year that will be that will be taught in history books for a very long time. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I mean, if for, for for our generation, I think COVID is is making a run at nine eleven for the event that has, that will define our generation, and I think for the generation of our kids and you know, and even people in their twenties, probably. I mean, COVID is is the event of their generation. So I think that's got to make it on the list. And I'm glad I was able to talk you into that being a big event in the 21st century. <laughs> Epic fail. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and uh, move on to what, what we had at, at well, I, I won't say the numbers because I know we should not say numbers, but the next one on our list was the last week of, <laughs> of our lives. Uh, Week one of January 2021, the end of Trump's presidency, the, the Raffensperger call that we kind of discussed at the beginning of the podcast, and, and then the Capitol breach. That's going to go down to some crazy shit that happened in the 21st century. Again, like this, we might look back on this in six months, you know, 18 months, five years, and say that we overreacted here, that this is just recency bias. But again, if you're just going to, our kids are going to read the sentence, our grandkids are going to read the sentence that says, the Capitol building of the United States was breached and invaded by a mob of armed citizens. And five people died that day. And that led to the deplatforming and potential impeachment of the President of the United States. Uh, I don't think it's an overreaction to put this on our list right now. No, and if we're wrong, I mean, somebody, you know, tweet us. I'll still be at Juice McBox in, you know, 2024 and tell us we were idiots. Yes, we'll we'll refund you all the money that you paid for this product. So buy a T-shirt. <laughs> uh, OK, uh, you 
uh, did your homework for this next one and actually pulled out the court case, which is Obergefell versus Hodges. This is how I'm going to choose to pronounce that. Yeah. Uh, so, but what we I all recognize as same-sex marriage be- becoming legalized. Yeah, I knew the name of the case. I'm not sure I know the, the correct pronunciation. So I'm going to say 100% you were correct on that. But yeah, I, I, same-sex marriage legalization, I think was... I think that could be the thing that our generation maybe hangs their hat on is we've probably not done everything right. But I think that not 100%, but but by and large, I think our generation and the acceptance of, you know, love is love and not wanting to tell other people who they're allowed to love and, and what they're allowed to love and what love is supposed to look like, I think is something that, that I'm proud of the generation that we're a part of that, that I think, you know, I mean, my kids and and I've been very intentional about making sure that, that my kids feel this way, but like, I, I don't think my kids even look at, you know, two men or two women together and say, anything other than oh yeah that's love that's cool i support that so i think that case was was huge and that's why i, I wanted it on the list and i think it's definitely very deserving of being on the list for sure so i'll go ahead and take the next one we got on the list did you have anything else to say about that one no i'm just glad i mean i feel like it's not even a thing i mean again we we still only ha- uh, hang out with a somewhat narrow slice of our generation demographically, but I just feel like it's not a thing for our generation. And I'm very proud that it's not a thing anymore. Absolutely. hundred percent agree with that. Uh, so the next one we got on the list is Bush versus Gore. And then that kind of goes into just the George W. Bush, the whole presidency. And we'll touch on the, the recession and hurricane Katrina. Yeah, so I, you and I were discussing f- before the show how we felt it somewhat odd that this, you know, the past 20 years have included what could end up being three just extremely historical presidencies. Uh, and this is the first one. Uh, I've gone back and forth on how I feel on the, the George Bush versus uh, Donald Trump, who was the worst president uh thing and i think i've i've brought this up on the show already so i don't really need to you know rehash it in full um ultimately i think i end up in the fact that like george bush can at least put on the appearance that he cares about the american people and donald trump can't and if you can't even do that then you can't be you are a worse president so that's kind of where i am right now but katrina again is one of you know our worst natural disasters uh not only does it you know end lives and and destroy property it really kind of you know highlights again the racial disparity that we have in this country by who exactly was affected in new orleans and who could get by this disaster and who couldn't um and then you know again the country goes into an, an awful recession uh uh you know with all the deregulation that there was in the housing market and and whatnot uh really just you know this is right as you and i are you know coming of age uh, you know we're working our way uh you know through high school and college and trying to get out into the job force and uh and you know the kind of you know we're projected to you know be one of the first gen- you know maybe the first generation that might not do as well as our parents have done uh so just a disaster 
um, of our presidency starts with a very contested Bush versus Gore court case. Um, and then it leads, uh, you know, rather optimistically eventually into Obama being elected president. So just a whole lot of mess in the Bush years. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I knew you had those feelings about George W. Bush. And I think that that's not a discussion for right now, but you think Bush versus Trump is a contest. Um, that's a little bit shocking to me because I think at at least George Bush was a, a human being. Um, I don't think George Bush, I think he may have done things that, that we could disagree with, but I don't think he was trash. Um, but that's for another time. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think Hurricane Katrina was the one that I had on the list that we kind of rolled into this one. And I think that was one of those tough moments as a country way to reckon with the fact that we do not treat people in this country equally at all. And you're right. There was a lot of crazy stuff in the Bush versus Gore years. Yeah. There, you know, this again is one of a million examples that shows there are two Americas, you know, there is, you know, a white America and a Brown America. There's a rich America and a poor America. You have bodies floating, you know, down the street, you know, in a flooded new Orleans and, uh, just just awful just absolutely awful um okay so this is uh, another big thing that we bundled up i think the uh the leading candidate in this is uh we're gonna say you know sandy hook vegas the pulse shooting in orlando uh we didn't have this on here but you could also easily roll us in to include things like uh the george floyd uh murder and ferguson and a whole other host of events uh, largely, you know, gun violence, uh, whether it's committed by domestic terrorists, um, whether it's police shootings, whether it's the overwhelming number of suicides uh, that occur uh, by guns, but really nothing more gutting uh, than Sandy Hook. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think it was interesting. That the, I think you and I both had the same, we had this conversation where we were preparing for this was was columbine in the 2000s and, and it wasn't but the 2000s were were marked by it, it felt like every week there was another just god-awful mass shooting of some sort and i mean i mean vegas was awful as far as sheer numbers but the thought of of first graders and second graders being murdered in their classroom at Sandy Hook, and and then the response to that of well, the Second Amendment. So guys, we're fine with having guns. Like this is this is something that that, that basically these these were okay with these dead babies as long as we get to have our shooty toys. It was one of the sickest parts of the twenty first century. Yeah, I mean, we we but, spent but, a but lot I of time. We spent a lot of time talking about it, and let's let's uh, uh you know let's not let's not uh, be any more negative, I guess. But yeah, just just all, like thank goodness that I wasn't yet a parent at that point, because um, I can't even. I mean, I still you know see in memoriams for it, and I I can't even imagine. So yeah, that's one of those that's that's still tough to just even think about the fact that that parents had to, to get that call from the school that, Oh yeah, somebody wanted to play with their toys and now your kid is dead. Yes. Also uh, just a special shout out. Fuck Alex Jones forever. And anyone that's ever, uh, you know, said that it was some kind of false flag operation and that 
child actors and nobody ever actually was killed. Uh, literally, fuck all of you people. Yeah, there's probably four or five times we could say fuck Alex Jones on this list, but I think that's probably the most appropriate place to put it. So let's put it there. All right. Number four, Andy? Number four is the rise of big tech. And I think you have a specific story that you wanted to touch on related to big tech in the 21st century. Yeah, so Twitter is definitely not, you know, the first of these. I mean, if I'm thinking big tech in in these past two decades, I, Facebook is the thing that I think of first. Uh, you know, Amazon, Google, uh, Apple. Uh, but one of the first times I ever remember, like, the social media and that part of technology being omnipresent was in what I believe was 2011. It was the year that I was at the University of Michigan fuck university of michigan um uh the united states successfully carried out uh the assassination of osama bin laden uh you know i'm very anti-death penalty but this is the case where uh uh Luego, uh osama uh you got what was coming to you uh, and it was the first time like it was like i was on twitter and it was something that i felt like the entire country shared together on social media uh, and again, you know, Facebook, you know, we have movies like the social network, which is amazing. If you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend, uh, watching it, but you see, you know, something that starts out with the best intentions of trying to bring people together when in fact it can be used in the most horrible ways to manipulate people and divide people and polarize people and facilitate violence and uh, all and all kinds of things uh, and this has really been one of the big forces uh, that has shaped the past two decades yeah absolutely I think we could probably do a whole another podcast on what it what a disaster social media has been for society in general but I, I don't think there's any way to deny that that's one of the top 10 events <sighs> yep so okay we're gonna take a turn to the cheerful Obamacare becomes law and kind of with this, you know, you get some reforms you had, you added in here, 2008 mental health parity act. Uh, and again, I, you know, was still on my parents' insurance and I was allowed to be on my parents' insurance because of Obamacare. Um, I feel like this is a very underappreciated moment. I know the system uh, has a whole lot of flaws. And again, like I'm not by any means saying that, America's health insurance, pro, you know, the way we do health insurance and medicine in America is anywhere close to good. Uh, but, you know, the landscape was absolutely hellish before Obamacare. And, it, you know, this is a step in the right direction, a meaningful step. Uh, a whole bunch of reforms come as a part of Obamacare. You know, it's named after him and, you know, one of probably the biggest, uh, you know, legacy item for him. Uh, and, and really I do think, uh, you know, that this is something worth mentioning. It definitely is deserving to be on the list. Yeah. Anytime you can take a healthcare system from hellish and make it merely awful. I think that's, that's gotta be something we're celebrating. <laughs> well, when you put it like that, <laughs> <laughs> no, I know I kid. Yeah. I mean, that's, the idea of moving American medicine a little bit more towards, you know, I don't want to say socialized medicine because, you know, that'll, we'll get on a, a, a Trump watch list because, you know, socialism bad, capitalism good. But and anytime we, you know, stop treating 
healthcare as some sort of a, a product to be sold and, and treated as a basic human right as it should be is is a step in the right direction. And for sure. Again, you know, millions more Americans get access to healthcare, you know, can actually be uh, covered, you know, people who have these pre-existing conditions and could be excluded from getting insurance or their insurance was astronomically high. We, we get rid of things like that. Um, again, the system can certainly be improved, and I'm hoping that Joe Biden makes a top priority of his presidency um, in whatever way that manifests, uh, but definitely, definitely worth mentioning for sure. So I take the next one on the list. Um, it's a little bit of a twofer, but it was the historical election of Barack Obama as our first black president, and then the election of Donald Trump as our first idiot president. So the elections of Obama and Trump. I will never, our, our grandkids will never believe that this was the correct order, that we elected America's first black president and then elected America's you know, racist, incompetent, dumb, malevolent, just corrupt, awful, the personification of all of those things. Uh, but really, I think, you know, two historic presidencies, we'll, we'll be discussing them for a very long time. Yeah, I was, I was glad that you stopped short of, uh, I was afraid you were going to say our, our first either stupid president or racist president because he would be far from either one of those decided as a country that or in in 2016 and then almost again in 2020 that we decided as a country that like yeah that's that guy kind of supports what we stand for was yikes yeah for sure um and again there's so much that happened uh over these past 12 years uh and you know i think we'll uh We'll be discussing the ramifications and consequences of, of these presidencies for a very long time. I mean, I, I think the legacy of Trump will probably be more interesting than the legacy of Obama. But I, I think to see what the legacy of both of those presidents are, you know, 20, 30 years from now will be pretty fascinating. Absolutely. All right. The the number one on our list, no surprise, um, 9-11 that involves, you know, that manifest into uh, you know a uh, war in iraq uh you know the f- weapons of mass destruction that didn't exist uh you know conflict in afghanistan for uh interminable number of years uh you know the patriot act and all of the security uh versus freedom debates and you know not being able to get through the airport uh you know in under an hour and and just so many ramifications, uh, you know, Islamophobia and our thoughts on the Middle East and, uh, and just how, you know, the security state surveillance state works in our country. Uh, Andy, do you, do you remember where you were, uh, 9-11? Yeah, I was in eighth grade. Um, I remember hearing about it and I was afraid that that was just the beginning of what would be probably a series of attacks. So I was happy that I ended up being wrong about that, but it was scary. Yeah. I was uh, in a basement algebra class with three other students. Uh, And instead of taking like normal math, I was taking algebra and we were like in a basement with a giant TV on a cart 
uh, you know, with whatever the like, you know, great grandfather Zoom was with a teacher going, you know, teaching us. Somebody came down into the basement and said, You guys need to come upstairs. And I walked into my classroom and you could hear a pin drop. Everybody was just laser focused on the TV that our teacher had got up and running and, you know, to see the smoke uh, and, you know, the buildings on fire and just not even being able to process uh, what, what happened and what could happen and what it meant for, you know, our families and, and the country and the world. Uh, you know, it is the, the formative event, you know, it is, you know, I, I wonder if, you know, if COVID or one of these other things will, will force it out, you know, again, the, you know, there's been some economic downturns that have really set our generation back. Uh, I think that that moment for us is the, where were you moment is always going to be 9-11. Yeah. I'm curious to see if that turns to COVID though, because right now I have a pretty vivid memory of, you know, where I was when I got sent home from work and said, he ain't coming back because this is a once in a lifetime pandemic. So I'll be curious to see if obviously we're, we're just about a year out almost from that moment now. So it's still pretty recent, but I'll be curious to see if going forward, that becomes a, where were you when, you know, lockdown orders got put in place or, you know, when you got sent home from work, that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, for our generation, it's, it's absolutely on 11. Where were you? And I think most people remember it was, it was an awful day. Unfortunately, I, mean, I think, uh, you know, we could just have multiple of those moments, right? Like we, you know, there's a generation that remembers JFK and Martin Luther King Jr. And, you know, the moon landing and, and whatnot, you know, so, you know, but I think these are two, you know, the two prime examples, uh, you know, and again, maybe, you know, I don't remember where I was when, uh, you know, Obama was officially, you know, declared president. Uh, you know, I'm sure that affected uh, quite a few more people than it did me. I was not very politically active at that point. I feel like it was kind of a foregone conclusion after eight disastrous Bush years uh, that the Democrat was going to win and Obama would be the president. Uh, but I'm sure that, you know, that could, that can be up there for and some people in our generation. Uh, I do remember exactly where I was and how I felt when Donald Trump, we found out was going to be president. Um, but, but, you know, moments, these, you know, this, this, how I feel the things that really have a, a deep emotional impact, nine uh, 11 COVID are, are number one and number two for me. Absolutely. All right, so usually we try to uh, make our list, you know, kind of the more lighthearted event, but, uh, you know, just with all the events of this week and this past year, uh, it really felt appropriate to try and give something like this a go. So, yeah, it's it can it's a little bit of a depressing list. You know, we left a lot of our positive stuff in the honorable mentions, but, uh, and dude, what a time to be alive. What a time. I mean, I tried to put the first time that I heard Lover on the list, but, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that necessarily resonates with everybody the way it resonates with me. I think it should. So I get that would have been my, one of my honorable mentions. I mean, I mean, really, the Taylor Swift's entire career was was in the 2000s. So I mean, I think we could have made a list of the, the top 10 Taylor moments of the 21st century. And maybe we'll do that going forward. So we want to to pull it out of the depressing shadows a little bit. Maybe maybe that's the direction we take it going forward. When I found out that they were actually going to make the three Lord of the Rings movies into, you know, full-fledged 
big budget Hollywood movies, the series that I have loved so much that started off an entire exploration of sci-fi fantasy uh, genre. Uh, I saw those movies so many times in the theaters. Those were personal moments for me that were uh, uh, very important. But uh, yeah, I mean, you got, you got your Taylor Swift. I have uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, you know, again, I mean, I we've we lived through the days of having to coordinate with all your friends uh, via landline and dial up internet and no internet and dial up internet. And now, you know, we're recording a, uh, you know, a podcast, you know, half a city away. It's crazy, man. Totally crazy. Yeah. Could we, could we have ever imagined that we'd be sitting, like you said, half a, half a city away from one another and talking to our computers with no problem. I still remember your parents' uh, landline number. If, if we want to go back that far to, to coordinating on the landlines, though, I, there's people whose cell phone numbers I've probably had for years that I don't remember, but I could call your parents' house if they still have the same number. Yep, and they do, and I'm, and I'm sure they would pick up if you call right now. So, <laughs> Wow. All right, Andy. Well, uh, that's going to wrap us up. Anything else before we close it out? No, let's uh, put a little bow on 2020, and Let's all keep our fingers crossed that 2021 is a better year. I think it'd be tough for it to be worse, but hey, let's be let's be hopeful that, that we got some positive things going forward. So uh, go Buckeyes on Monday. All right, Andy. This has been another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss, and we'll talk to you guys later. Stay safe, Ohio. Buckeye Dads Discuss is a podcast hosted by Andy and Josh. It's edited by April. You can find us on social media at Buckeye Dads on Twitter, and you can email the show at Buckeye Dads Discuss at gmail.com.